0: Welcome to my cesspool of bigotry and hate. The leftist hyenas at Media Matters have made a seven-minute video compilation and 2,500-word article smearing this show and the rest of the Daily Wire gang as a cesspool of bigotry and hate. Do you know why? It's because we suggested that it is wrong to kill babies after they've already been born and because we suggested that men are not women. That's actually in the video. I think we're going to use it as a best of compilation. We examine the real bigots and haters from Media Matters, those scum sucking leeches, all the way to Joe Biden, currently leading the pack of 2020 Democratic presidential candidates. Then actress Rosanna Arquette apologizes for being white, and I forgive her. Huffington Post publishes the dumbest article on the internet today, and finally, the mailbag. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Yes, come on in to my cesspool. We are going to mire ourselves in a truly national cesspool of bigotry and hate, though it's not on the right, it's on the left. We'll get to that in a second. But first, I have got to help you out. Help me help you. Starting at just $10 per month, you can never have to worry about hair loss again. Hair loss affects so many guys and it can start Very young. It can start when you're between 25, 35 years old. It's easy to stop, but you've got to get started right now. Getting started is super easy. Signing up takes less than five minutes over at Keeps. Just answer a few simple questions, snap some photos to complete your online doctor consultation. A licensed physician will review your information online and recommend the right treatment for you. Then it is shipped right to your door every three months. It's easy. You don't need to think about it again. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Keeps treatments are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. You can stop it. It's not hard to do, but you gotta start now. Some men experience hair regrowth, and at best, men will get back up to 20% of the hair they've already lost. How much does it cost? virtually nothing. It's just 10 to 35 bucks a month. Think of all the stupid stuff you waste 10 bucks on. Right now, by the way, you can get your first month free. I'll tell you guys, I'm not exactly a hulking Adonis of a man, okay? I'm not the captain of the football team over here, but I've always done fairly well with the ladies. And why is it? Because I got a nice spate of Italian hair on my head. Make sure you don't lose that. It's so easy. If you suffer from hair loss, the last thing you need is to wait to go see a doctor. With Keeps, there is finally a way to get the help you need when you need it for a limited time receive your first month of treatment for free go to keeps.com/noles k e e p s.com/noles k a n o w K-N-O-W-L-E-S for your first month of treatment for free all right i i will get to media matters in a second I want to save Media Matters as sort of my entree today. I want to wet my appetite. I really want to get excited. I want to salivate a little bit before I dig into those scum-sucking leeches at the political outfit Media Matters and Parker Malloy, who is the the head of it, and some of the other people there. Uh, Media Matters, by the way, I'll just remind you, Media Matters was a a favorite uh, organization of the Ohio Shooter, just to remind you. Well, they're blaming the right for all sorts of awful violence and bigotry. Just wanted to remind you that the Ohio Shooter regularly retweeted Media Matters, bunch of scum-sucking leeches. We'll get to them in a second. First, I want to zoom out a little bit, though, and get to the 2020 presidential race, because the left has now turned the racial divisiveness and turned the invective and turned the insults all the way up to 11. Not just the silly frivolous candidates like Beto O'Rourke, but all the way up to the front runner, Joe Biden, so-called moderate Joe. So every man Joe, that guy is now referring to President Trump as a white supremacist. Used to be racist, now, they've called conservatives racists forever with absolutely no basis for it. Then it was white nationalist. That's, a, that's The reason they use the term white nationalist is because conservatives have embraced nationalism. I mean, Irving Kristol in the 1960s described conservatism as religion, nationalism, and economic growth. So what they want to do is tie nationalism, a perfectly legitimate concept, with white nationalism, which is an incoherent concept because there has never been a nation of the whites. There is no ethnic group called the Whites with a capital W. There are ethnic nations like England or Italy or France or Germany, but there's no nation of the Whites. So they take this incoherent concept called white nationalism and they use it to try to uh, convince idiots that conservatives are bigots. Now they've turned this all the way up again. They've called us white supremacists. Here is Joe Biden giving a campaign speech yesterday uh, comparing Donald Trump to the segregationist candidate, George Wallace.
1: Indeed, we have a president with a toxic tongue who has publicly and unapologetically embraced the political strategy of hate, racism, and division. So it's up to us, as it was in the 20s. It's up to us. We're living through a rare moment in this nation's history where our president isn't up to the moment, where our president lacks the moral authority to lead, where our president has more in common with George Wallace than he does with George Washington.
0: Yeah, Trump, he's a white supremacist. You see, he's awful. By the way, don't forget, Joe Biden just got shanked by Kamala Harris at the first Democratic presidential debate because he was extolling the virtues of segregationists not one month ago. One month ago, this guy who has the audacity to call Donald Trump a white supremacist was extolling the virtues of segregationists. This guy during the 2008 presidential race referred to Barack Obama as the first black guy who was clean and articulate. And he said, that's a fairy tale man. He was so shocked. It couldn't possibly be the case that in reality, a black man is clean and articulate. Joe Biden was shocked by that. That guy, This guy from the political party of slavery, the Ku Klux Klan, Jim Crow, lynchings, that guy, Joe Biden, has the audacity to call President Trump and conservatives white supremacists. Now, Joe Biden, though, he launches this attack. He obviously can't back it up with facts. So the only way he can back up this narrative that Trump is a white supremacist, I mean, imagine that. Donald Trump, the guy you've known since the 1980s, real estate mogul, casino guy, reality TV star for 15 years, won awards literally next to Rosa Parks, old palin' around with Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, that guy that we've all known for 50 years. Turns out, secretly, he's a white supremacist. That's the narrative that Joe Biden now needs to sell because the Democratic primary has become so radicalized and so disengaged from reality. So he can't back it up with facts. Therefore, he has to back it up with facts obvious demonstrable lies here is how he justifies the claim that trump is a white supremacist
1: how far apart are those comments how far is it from white supremacists and neo-nazis in charlottesville trump's very fine people chanting you will replace us to the shooter at the tree of life synagogue in pittsburgh
0: there it is. Trump's very fine people. So that this is the lie. This is the foundational legend of the Trump is a white supremacist thing, which is that Donald Trump called neo-Nazis and white supremacists very fine people in Charlottesville. They're all saying this. Joe Biden launched his presidential campaign on this lie. So here is very quickly, 50 seconds or a minute, the full, unedited, unvarnished, no movie magic going on clip of what President Trump said when he used the phrase very fine people in Charlottesville. You can hear very clearly. He explicitly condemns the people that Joe Biden says Trump called very fine people.
2: You had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Excuse me. Excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group That were there to protest the taking down of to them a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down excuse me? Are we going to take down are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now, are we going to take down his statue? So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history, you're changing culture, and you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally.
0: There you have it. That clip was one minute and three seconds long. Within one minute and three seconds, he uses the phrase, very fine people. I mean, and he, he says that phrase a little bit into it. So you have within, certainly within a minute, you have Trump using the phrase very fine people and then explicitly stating that he's not calling neo-Nazis and white supremacists and white nationalists very fine people, that they should be condemned totally. But this is all Joe Biden's got because Joe Biden is a liar. He's a pathological liar. He hasn't just told the kind of lies that politicians tell. He's told some very sick lies, even lying about the death of his own wife. We'll get to that in one second. We'll get we'll get to what a, a shell of a man Joe Biden is. But first, I've got to thank our friends over at Movement MVMT. You know how much I love Movement. I I get more compliments on my Movement watch than than any watch I've ever owned. This is the uh, Revolver collection from Movement. Super cool, super sleek. Movement also has sunglasses. And the thing I love about sunglasses, I'm a sunglasses aficionado. I think it's because of my Italian heritage. I always want the best sunglasses. I have an extensive collection because I feel like you wear them every day. They're on your face. They affect literally how you see the world. So you just you don't want a cheap bad on that. You want to invest. I've spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on one pair of sunglasses. Fortunately now, because of movement, the same innovation they brought to watches, they brought to sunglasses. You can get beautiful sunglasses, some of the coolest styles, really great quality stuff for a fraction of the price that you would pay in a department store. You can do that. They pass the, the uh, savings along to you, especially because they were first an online company. Uh, you get free shipping in return. So if you don't like them, that's fine. You know, it's not a huge deal. Uh, pick a style or design that you personally like. Uh, you know, it, it, you can get one. What do you get it for like uh, it, w- unbelievable prices? Get a second one, get a third one. It doesn't matter. I like I really like this design of the watch. I really like the design of, of the pair of glasses I have. I'll buy multiple because at movements prices you can just start a collection. They're great. They start at 60 bucks. No pair costs more than $95. They've sold over 2.5 million products in more than 160 countries. You gotta go check it out. 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. Go to mvmt.com slash Knowles, See why movement keeps growing. Check out the expanding collection. mvmt.com slash Knowles, Join the movement. Joe Biden is lying. This is the, there is a foundational lie to his presidential campaign which is that Donald Trump called neo-Nazis very fine people in Charlottesville. This is now the foundational lie in the stupid speech he gave yesterday. This is no surprise that Biden is lying. He had to leave the 1988 presidential campaign because he lied about his law school records. That's why he had to get out of that race. He lied about his law school records, then he plagiarized a speech from an Irish politician, and then he lied about that too. But it's not just those kind of lies that Joe Biden tells. Because look, politicians exaggerate, they bend the truth. Sometimes they tell untruths without, without even meaning to. The thing about Joe Biden is that he's a pathological liar and he tells really vile lies. For instance, Joe Biden will often talk about how his wife died right at the beginning of his political career. And it's this awful tragedy that he had to live through. And uh, his daughter died. I mean, it was just really awful. But Joe Biden doesn't just keep it to that story. He repeatedly lies about the circumstances of it to impugn the other driver who was involved in that car accident, to impugn his his motives and his character and to malign him and to make himself appear uh, more of a victim. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just take the the word of the right wing for it. The Atlantic, a left-wing magazine, called Joe Biden out for this in 2010. They wrote, quote, For many years... Biden described the driver of the truck that struck and killed his first wife and their daughter in December 1972 as a drunk, which he apparently was not. The tale could hardly be more tragic. Why, in a, why add in a baseless charge? The family of the truck driver has labored to correct the record, but Biden made the reference to drunkenness as recently as 2007, needlessly resurrecting a false and painful allegation. Why would Biden do this? I mean, it's so, to to exploit your wife's death is is one aspect of it. But then to rewrite what happened and, and take a guy who was not a drunk driver, by all accounts, who obviously feels awful for this accident that happened, and then as you, the vice president of the United States, to publicly and wrongly smear him as a drunk driver outrageous stuff. But, but Biden is a pathological liar. That's all he's got. He is a, a totally hollow shell of a man who, whose skin is artificial, whose hair is artificial, and whose teeth are artificial, and obviously whose thoughts and rhetoric are artificial as well. So, but Biden keeps up this charge. He goes full-throated for it, and he calls Trump a white supremacist.
1: I don't think it's that far at all. It's both clear language and in code. This president has fanned the flames of white supremacy
0: in this nation. He's fanned the flames of white supremacy. Okay, this is the new line. It's not just Biden who's using this. Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, told the New York Times without hesitation, "Quote, Trump gave comfort to white supremacists. He's done the wink and a nod. He has talked about white supremacists as fine people. We just we just heard that that isn't true. So Elizabeth Warren using this lie too. He's done everything he can to stir up racial conflict and hatred in this country. Is that right? we'll, we'll examine if that's right in a second. Beto O'Rourke, a future former presidential candidate, called President Trump a white supremacist in no uncertain terms. Here he is on MSNBC. And right now, the president is on the tarmac greeting uh, members of the Texas delegation. He's on El Paso soil. Um, What goes through your head hearing that? Well, I think this is the answer to that. You have all these beautiful people from El Paso, but also from Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua, Mexico, our sister city, who are coming together in the wake of this horrific loss of life, this terrorism that was in part inspired by President Trump and his warnings of invasions and infestations, his demonization of this community, uh, immigrants as rapists and criminals. There's a very real consequence to that. It doesn't just offend us. It, it hurts us and it kills us. Hold on. We've got to stop it there before he gets to calling Trump a white supremacist because look at, look at the two things he's just said. He said, the shooter was inspired by Trump. We know this isn't true. The shooter himself wrote in the manifesto, I was not inspired by Trump. I had these views much earlier. So that part, it just seems uh, obviously the shooter can lie, but I don't know why he would tell that lie. Second, second part, which is the most absurd in the whole discussion is Beto O'Rourke talks about the targeting of Hispanics as us. He's hurting us. He's killing us. Who is us? Beto O'Rourke has pretended to be Hispanic for his entire political career not for his whole life, but for his political career, Beto O'Rourke. His real name is Robert Francis O'Rourke. He's completely Irish and he's pretended to be Hispanic. He talks in broken, garbled Spanglish on the democratic debate stage because he knows the rest of the party is all a bunch of liberal white people. So they're not going to understand that he's just totally mangling the Spanish language. But this guy actually has the goal after being called out on this so many times in his career to say, it's us, it's killing us. Who? It's killing billionaire Irish guys? that, that, that's who Donald Trump's hate is killing is, is billionaire Irish dudes and skateboarders. No, he's implying that it's killing Hispanics and he's pretending to be Hispanic, which he's always been doing. But then he goes on, he actually gets to the meat of it. He says, Trump is a white supremacist. You've been very clear that you believe the president is a racist. Is the president a white supremacist? He is. He's also made that very clear. He's made it very clear. Has he obviously? Beto O'Rourke said it. Beto would never lie about like, you know, the most important aspects of his own identity. He would never tell a lie like that. So obviously president Trump has made it very clear that he is a white supremacist. Forget what he said a couple days ago when he said that, that hatred warps the soul and it's, it's terrible and awful and we need to be united and condemn bigotry. We know many, many other times president Trump has embraced racism and bigotry and white supremacy. Hasn't he? Roll the clip.
2: Racism is evil. And those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. And I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. We are a nation founded on the truth that all of us are created equal. We are equal in the eyes of our Creator. We are equal under the law. And we are equal under our Constitution. Those who spread violence in the name of bigotry strike at the very core of America. How many times do I have to reject? I've rejected David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. From the time I'm five years old, I rejected them. I put it on Twitter last week. Now I have been asked this question so many times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, Donald. It's just what a white supremacist would say, okay? Condemning repeatedly racism and bigotry and white supremacy for years and years and years. Just, that's really convenient, isn't it? But a white supremacist would love to say those things, huh? Not buying it, buddy. Bernie Sanders jumping on this too, calling Trump a white supremacist. This is the new line of attack and Biden is embracing it because he has no principles and he's shameless and he doesn't care if he tears the country apart and he's happy to to stir up a cesspool of hatred and bigotry and he needs to keep it up. So this is the line. He needs to keep it up if he wants to keep up with the pack of other wacko radicals in the 2020 Democratic primary. So Biden realizes he's got to address the fact that Trump repeatedly condemns white supremacy and bigotry and hatred. So here is how Biden chooses to do it. He says it's all just words and Trump doesn't really mean any of it.
1: His low energy, vacant-eyed mouthing of the words written for him, condemning white supremacists this week, I don't believe fooled anyone at home or abroad.
0: Oh man, this is a poor, I know that some intern or whoever wrote this speech really thought, yeah, I'll call Trump low energy because he calls us low energy and Jeb low energy. So we'll call him low energy. We'll say that he doesn't really believe it. We'll say that he he's just vacantly mouthing words that were written for him. The trouble with that is that it isn't true. The reason that Trump's attacks work is because they're true. Jeb Bush really does have low energy. Uh, Joe Biden really does look sleepy. You don't have to look any further than the last presidential debate when Joe Biden stood vacant-eyed, bungling the words and mouthing the words that someone else had written for him. Let's listen to this clip, 30333030. If you agree
1: with me, go to Joe30330 and help me in this fight. Thank you very much.
0: So obviously he's projecting, the left always projects. We'll explain how they're doing that on a hate, hate-filled bigotry cesspool in a second. But he, he, Joe Biden, at least because he's a practiced politician, has to try to tie this argument together. So he has to try to make an argument for how all of this fits in. The shootings and the hatred and the bigotry and the guns and the Donald Trump. And he tries to wrap it up here at the end of the speech. This is, and this is really saying something, the least coherent argument I've ever heard from Joe Biden, he's trying to tie these things together, hatred, mental health, and guns, all, in the, all with relation to President Trump. See if you can make any sense of how he tries to do it.
1: He says guns are not the problem in mass shootings. The issue is mental health. It's a dodge. Hatred isn't a mental health issue.
0: Okay. Let's just try to examine that for a second. That last line, hatred is not a mental health issue. So, so what Joe Biden is saying is this is a dodge. When Trump wants to talk about mental health instead of guns with regard to these shootings, it's a dodge because hatred is not a mental health issue. First of all, yes, it is. Hatred is a mental issue. It is entirely a mental issue. It is a faculty in your mind. Your mind is, is uh, perceiving certain things and coming to certain conclusions. Your faculties of reason are the ones that are uh, ending up in a hate-filled view of the world or your faculties of unreason in, in the case of mental health problems. So hatred is a mental health issue. But what about the dodge on guns? Are, are, is hatred a gun issue? is hatred a firearms issue? He says, it's a dodge. Hatred isn't a mental health issue. It's a manufacturing issue. It's an ammunition issue. It's a firearms issue. No, no it's not. Hatred is a mental issue, right? Hatred is metaphysical. It's, it's uh, the product of our ideas and sometimes our own incoherence and our perception of the world. Hatred, whatever hatred is, is not a physical issue. And guns are physical guns are they're just a hunk of metal and a hunk of plastic hatred does not pertain to guns because guns are physical objects you need a mental decision a mental perception a, a mental cause of action to make you pick up the gun and pull the trigger. So what Joe is doing is he's just using words like they all do. They just kind of use words randomly to give the sound of an argument, even though it isn't an argument. This relates to a personal story. Our friends over at Media Matters, which a lot of people don't know what Media Matters is. A lot of media people do. But to the rest of the world, what we're told is that Media Matters is a media watchdog group. But they're not a media watchdog group. They are a leftist political organization that solely exists to get right wing media figures fired from their jobs. So they've been trying to get Rush fired forever. They've been trying to get Tucker Carlson fired. They've been trying to get Sean Hannity fired. Now I guess they're trying to get me fired. They want to get all of them fired. And you'll notice the right doesn't have this because we're not afraid of MSNBC running their mouths on cable. We know that our arguments are better than theirs, so we're going to beat them in the court of public opinion. Because the left knows that their arguments are so bad, they have to just try to shut us up. So they try to censor us on social media. They try to censor us on campus. They try to censor us in the workplace. And now they try to censor our TV shows and our podcasts and our radio shows. That's what Media Matters is doing. So they put together a seven minute long clip. They tweeted out, they said, we watched All of these hours of Daily Wire footage and we've concluded this is a cesspool of bigotry and hate. Here's our report. And I'll I'll just play you a brief clip. It's like a 30-second clip from a seven-minute-long compilation. This is the kind of content that Media Matters is trying to convince people is hateful and bigoted. I think that it is worse to slaughter babies after they've been born than to wear blackface.
1: Abortion helps rapists cover up their crimes
0: you are just not a decent person if you support giving lethal injection to infants abortion doctor number four is a problematic term because it includes the word doctor i would suggest the term medical assassin there is obviously something wrong in the house of islam there is a lot more evidence that ilhan omar has sympathies for al-qaeda than there is that donald trump is a racial bigot this is this is the best of this is what the media matters scoured all of our content how many hundreds, how many thousands of hours of content is there from our shows? I mean, I've done about 400 shows myself and I'm pretty much the newest show at the Daily Wire. How many shows have the other guys done? 700 or something like that? How many thousands of hours have they gone through? And the best they could find, the best example of bigotry was that I said that it is worse to slaughter babies after they have been born than to wear a racially insensitive costume. It's the best they've got. That's what they put forward. Obviously, I stand by all of it. I think this should be an advertiser promo video for us. I think we should put this video out there as a subscriber pitch. It shows us that the left projects. This is what they do. They call us racists because they are racists. They call us bigots because they are bigots. They call us hateful because they are hateful. We're not. Just look at any conservative generally speaking, we stay pretty calm. Generally speaking, we talk about unity. We talk about love of country. We talk about how the other side isn't evil. They're just very, very wrong, and we need to convince them to be right. What does the left do? I mean, just look at these terror attacks over the weekend, these shootings. The one guy in Texas was an eco-fascist. He had aspects of his ideology that I guess you would call right-wing and aspects that you would call far-left-wing. The shooter in Ohio was a, an avowed leftist, a socialist, an endorser of Elizabeth Warren, and yes, a fan of Media Matters, the cesspool of hatred that published the hit piece on us. The, The Ohio shooter literally reposted Media Matters content to his social media pages, and they blame us because they project. Anything that is true of them, they try to accuse us of. They are the haters. They are the bigots. They lie about what we say. They dox us or nearly dox us the way that uh, Joaquin Castro did just a couple days ago. They commit terror attacks like occurred at the ICE facility. Uh, We don't know the motive of the Ohio shooter, but we do know he was an avowed leftist. They gaslight us. They try to strip us of our rights. They are a cesspool. And the reason I bring this up now is it's only August of 2019. We went from racist to white nationalist to white supremacist in the eyes of the left more than a year out from the 2020 election. How much hotter is this going to get? What are they going to be calling us next November? They'll call us baby killers. I mean, I guess that's the worst thing I can imagine is being a baby killer. And I guess they'll probably call us that because they always project what they do and they literally kill babies. And they say that killing babies is a human right and it's wonderful and it should be celebrated and shouted from the rooftops. I do think this is going to backfire this is the deplorables thing all over again. This is Hillary calling half the country deplorable. Turns out that doesn't help you win presidential elections, doesn't help you bring people over to your cause. They talk about Trump's base. What is Trump's base? What is, let's call Trump's base I don't know, 60 million people voted for him. You figure, say, 10 or 20 million of that is independent or more moderate. So 40 million Americans are white supremacists, neo-Nazis. That's what they're saying. Okay, keep it up, guys. Keep it up. Yep. Call them deplorable and irredeemable and Nazis. That's great. Can't wait to see how that serves you in the 2020 election. The madness of all of it. Rosanna Arquette from the Arquette acting family tweeted out yesterday, quote, I'm sorry I was born white and privileged. It disgusts me. I feel so much shame. That's the madness in their heads. Rosanna, I forgive you. You are absolved. I forgive you. It's okay. I think a lot of this is because the left doesn't have religion. They don't have true religion, and so because everybody's got to serve somebody, because you will guide your, your human nature toward some religious idea, politics becomes their religion, but there's no absolution. There is, we have a broken human nature, and because there is no redemption in the politics of leftism, there is just shame and shame and guilt and bile and vitriol and bigotry, and a cesspool of hatred. And you see this, a very, we don't have time to go through the article, but this is the dumbest article on the internet today. It's from the Huffington Post. It might be time to cut my right-wing Trump-loving in-laws out of my kids' lives. And they go on to describe these just like grandparents, these just regular grandparents who they oppose illegal immigration. They are Catholic. They adhere to a traditional sexual morality. They don't think that men are women. They don't buy the kind of fashions of the sexual revolution. And this woman says, because my in-laws are conservative, because they hold a political view that half of the country holds, because they go to church on Sundays, because they're Catholic, I cannot allow my children to see them. She writes, she says, I always yell at them on Facebook and I always tweet, text them these long screeds about how awful they are and how they need to change their minds. And then she complains. She said, at one point, the mother-in-law writes back and says, thank you for your note. So she says, okay, thank you. I've heard your point of view. But she says, because they won't change, because they won't become liberals and they won't become atheists, the kids, they, they can't see their grandchildren. That is the definition of hatred. That is the definition of bigotry. That is a cesspool. And it's not just, uh, there's no moral equivalence. It's not that the left and the right both have this kind of cesspool of hatred and bigotry. They don't. It's not even close. It's just the left. It is 99.9% the left. And it's not just some random guy on Twitter. It's Media Matters, those scum-sucking hyenas. It's all the way up to Joe Biden, Obviously, it's Beto, it's Elizabeth Warren, but it's all the way up to even Joe Biden, leader of the pack, so-called moderate, willing to malign half of his countrymen, whom he hates, whose guts he hates, willing to malign them as white supremacists, bigots, Nazis, supporters of white supremacists. When they say this to us, you know what I say to them? Okay, so what? Keep it up. Keep it up, guys. See how many elections you win. See how many minds you change. There, it, hatred warps people's own minds. It makes people's own lives much worse. Doesn't make my life worse. That The fact that Media Matters went through and did a best of compilation of my show. Thanks. Thanks guys. You saved me hours of work. Now I can tweet that out there. Doesn't hurt me. Hatred doesn't degrade me. Being smeared as a bigot doesn't degrade me. It degrades the people who are doing it and it's degrading now. The leaders of the Democratic Party. That's where our our country is. It's sad that half of this country, the left despises the other half, but what can I say? We'll be the adults. We'll be here when you want to stop having your temper tantrum and you want to grow up. We've got to get to the mailbag. So we will do that now. Go to dailywire.com. You know what you get. You get everything. My show, the Andrew Clavin show, the Ben Shapiro show, the Matt Walsh show. You get to ask questions in the mailbag coming up. You get to ask questions of of, uh, backstage. You get another kingdom. You get everything. You get the leftist tears tumbler, Guys, it's August 2019. Imagine how much you will be drowning by November 2020 if you don't get the Tumblr. Head on over. We'll be right back. From Chuck, Michael. Ideally, parents and churches would teach children morality and ethics. But in a world where this often does not occur, should this be taught in our public schools? The Bible should be taught in our public schools. Certainly. I mean, the Bible is the textual foundation of our civilization. It is the most important book or many books that have ever been written, both because of their objective truth, what they tell us about the human condition, about who we are, about our relationship to our creator, but also for people who are atheistic or agnostic or who don't want to grant that premise, it has led to every work of art and literature in Western civilization. If you don't know the Bible, you can't know anything else about Western civilization. And so uh, just from a very practical uh, pedagogical level, you need to teach the Bible in schools. I think we should do that. Should we teach ethics? Well, ethics you would teach in in a context of either religion, religious education, or philosophy— and I'm not sure that a lot of middle schools and high schools have philosophy classes, so maybe not. In terms of morality, I certainly don't want that, you know, that kind of very specific religious instruction in public schools because the moral views that are now held by the popular culture are totally perverse. I mean, just to give you one basic example, pride is held up as the greatest virtue. We have a whole month now to celebrate pride, and yet pride is the deadliest of the seven deadly sins. So no, I don't want public schools teaching their own bizarre version of morality, but they do need to teach the Bible. And the thing is, when you present students with the greatest works of our civilization, the Bible and, of course, the great poems and the great great literature and real history, not third-string history, but like actual historical texts, Thucydides, for example, when you teach them that everything clicks into place. They can see their own civilization clearly. They can see the world much more clearly. When you deny them education in that regard and you just teach them your own ideological view of all of those things, then it warps their vision and and they graduate ignorant, sometimes more ignorant than they were when they were started. I would say just present to them the great works, and allow them to either come to their own conclusions or hopefully have some sort of moral, ethical, and religious formation at home and in the uh, the civic society, civil society. From Nicole, do you have any advice on how to stay positive during these times of disgust and hatred toward conservatives? I live in California, and I am so tired of being called racist and recently responsible for the shootings over the weekend. I have a lot of trouble making friends because they eventually find out my politics, and I don't know where to go or what to do. Thank you for all you do. Love the show. Yes, I do have advice on this, which is we always knew this was going to happen. We know that, that in this world, which is run by the Prince of Darkness, the truth is despised. People don't like the truth. They don't like the light. They prefer lies and they prefer darkness. People don't like freedom. People don't want to be freedom. The human heart does not yearn to be free. People, generally speaking, want to be slaves. They want to be told what to do. They want to be coddled. They don't want to rise up and and, and into their full humanity. So, Obviously, if you peddle lies and you peddle saccharin nonsense and you peddle leftist politics, you're going to be much more popular in this world, but it's wrong. And so you're choosing to speak the truth as you see it. That's going to cost you friends. It's going to maybe cost you a job. It's going to cost you a lot. I mean, that's, that's the price. Everything has a price, but I think uh, they, there is some hope for you. I mean, uh, on the one hand, in the very political near term, you can have hope of improving your country just by speaking political truths. And then in the eternal realm, when you are, you know, I mean, Christ tells us this, uh, you'll have pains and troubles in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So I don't really care. I mean, particularly I think Catholics have this kind of sense that that suffering is sanctifying. So suffering isn't evil in and of itself. Suffering is just a fact of life. I mean, that's just a kind of, that's the way the world is. What is moral, is your reaction to suffering. So you can either react to suffering by saying, oh, woe is me, pity, pity me, everything's terrible, gosh, life is so bad. Or you can react to suffering and say, well, I am uh, binding up in my flesh this suffering. I'm kissing it up to God. I'm, I'm becoming more saintly. I'm becoming more humble. I'm becoming more grateful for what I do have. We live in a great time. And just because there are a lot of slanderous idiots out there defaming you, it uh, doesn't mean that we don't live in a great time and doesn't mean that you don't have a lot of opportunities to do good. And uh, you, you can always find, I've only lived in left-wing places and I've somehow managed to find a few conservatives to be friends with uh, and, and even some open-minded liberals, obviously. Uh, so I, I think that's fine. I would say uh, take heart. Uh, it, it was ever thus, it was ever thus that uh, a, a, someone who is a contrarian to the uh, inherited truths of this world of this particular terrestrial world was always going to have a tough time, but uh, take heart because the world has been overcome. From Amanda Hi, Michael, I'm a new subscriber and I've heard you mention a few times on your show that you used to be an atheist. When and why did you turn to religion? Yes, gladly. I'm happy. I actually just did a show on this yesterday with the uh, radio host Patrick Coffin and podcast host Patrick Coffin. I was a cradle Catholic. I was baptized when I was a kid. By the time I was confirmed in the church, I was about 13, I would have considered myself an atheist. And this was for a few reasons. Most importantly, my pride and intellectual hubris. I was a precocious 13-year-old and I thought I was smarter and cleverer than I was. Uh, Partly because there was a sex abuse scandal in the Catholic church, which disillusioned a lot of people. Partly because the religion that was presented to me was childish. We were not... uh, Presented with the fullness of the faith, in in both the beauty of the liturgy and in the intellectual tradition and in the spiritual fullness of the faith, and uh, and because there was a publishing fad that was going on at that time called the New Atheists, Samuel Sam Harris, Daniel Dennett, Christopher Hitchens, and Richard Dawkins, and as a thirteen-year-old who was arrogant, I found these arguments really compelling, and they're really compelling for thirteen-year-old boys, (laughs) and that's about it. Once you become an adult, you realize that they don't make good arguments. They don't really make much of an argument at all. There are probably a dozen good arguments for the existence of God. The evidence of God is everywhere, but there are 13 good arguments if you prefer to go in that way. That's what happened to me. I found the ontological argument very compelling when I was 18, got to college, everyone was an atheist, and they were all pretty smart, but the smartest people were Christians and particularly Catholic Eastern Orthodox on their way to, to more uh, a deeper liturgical uh, traditions with, with greater history behind them. And so I thought that's a little strange. I wonder why that is. And uh, it, it's no coincidence, I think, that the smartest people in the history of the world have all believed in an extraordinarily similar conception of religion. And there are very few uh, smart atheists that you find over over time. And uh, upon examination, you realize there's not really any good argument for atheism. And, and the atheist arguments are uh, convincing in a a sort of shallow way, but they don't explain virtually anything that actually matters about our experience of the world. Uh, They're they're clear arguments, the, the atheist arguments, but they're shallow. Dr. Johnson talked about this. He famously said, shallows are clear and profound things, deep things are deep. They're murky, they're not so clear. If I can fit my description of the universe, onto a little note card in a three-bullet manifesto, probably I'm not uh, going to be able to describe all of reality. Let let me ask you something. Can you describe uh, multivariable calculus to me right now? Can you give me a 60-second summation of all of the knowledge of mathematics or all the knowledge we have of biology or all the knowledge we have of physics? No. Now, if you can't give me all the knowledge in 60 seconds of the physical sciences, if you can't explain to me even the physical world, don't you think it's a little silly to purport to explain to me all of the metaphysical world in that same amount of time? You know, I would never go to Richard Dawkins and say, hey, Richard, I've never studied uh, evolutionary biology at all. I've never even taken a class on it. But let me tell you everything about it. He, He would laugh at me, rightly so. And yet that's exactly what Richard Dawkins does. He has no experience in theology whatsoever or philosophy for that matter. He's not a, maybe he took a class once in undergrad or something, but he just doesn't really have any uh, serious thought in those areas. And yet he would pretend that his uh, one particular expertise in one particular area of the physical sciences qualifies him to describe the the totality of metaphysical truth. It's, It's laughable. And it's the sort of thing that precocious 13-year-old boys get taken in by. But uh, when you think about it a little more deeply, you're not. Ultimately, this culminated in some intellectual humility. And and, and after that, only at that point did the religious experience occur. Coincidences, uh, finding a book here and there, finding these strange coincidences in the world. And I ended up at a church in New York called the Church of St. Michael by Father George Rutler, who is a tremendous priest. And uh, that was the moment when it solidified. We, I could go on forever, but that's the short version. Okay, qu- final last question. Here we go. From Ivan. Hi, Michael. I have a job interview tomorrow and in your experience, what are some ways I could best prepare beforehand besides the usual advice of making sure I have answers to commonly asked questions? Just for some context, this is a mid-level position in HR and recruiting. Thanks a million. Keep up the great and excellent work. Thank you. I do have some advice. One is, yeah, know the answers to all the questions that you usually get. Specifically, know the answer to the question, what have you failed at? Everyone bungles this question. And the, so they'll say, oh, I, sometimes I fail to stop working so hard. Yeah, you know, sometimes I fail to strike a work-life balance because of what a hard worker I am. You know, sometimes I've failed at not doing things perfectly. And it's just so pathetic and stupid. Or you just stand there and stammer. Actually tell them what you've failed at. I'm sure you've failed at a million things. I certainly have tell them, be honest. I've found people uh, really respect that. Uh, Other other aspects of the job interview, things that have always helped me is probably out of madness. I don't think it's quite, the line between confidence and madness is a little blurry. The job interviews that I've gone into that I've really totally aced are the ones where I didn't really care if I got the job. Now you might really want this job, you might really care, but you just got to go in there and know If I don't get it, it's not the end of the world. I am qualified. I am prepared. I will do a good job. It would be great if it works out. But the sum total of my value in this world is not placed in my getting this job. And if you do that, you will just seem confident. It will help you in salary negotiations and and other aspects of the onboarding process. So do that. Know that you you're good, you're ready, you've you've prepared for this, you've got a good life ahead of you, and if you don't get this job, you'll get the next one. Because ultimately, there is a, uh, a more of a guiding hand in your life than just your own personal will. Okay, that's our show. We gotta get out of here. Have a good weekend. I will be here the whole time in my cesspool of bigotry and hate, so please come back and join me in my cesspool on Monday. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz, director Mike Joyner, Executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our senior producer is Jonathan Hay. Supervising producer Mathis Glover. Technical producer Austin Stevens. Editor Danny D'Amico. Our audio mixer is Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. If you prefer facts over feelings, if you aren't offended by the brutal truth, if you can still laugh at the nuttiness filling our national news cycle, well, tune on into The Ben Shapiro Show, where you'll get a whole lot of that and much more. We'll see you there.